welcome to Sage and Spirit, a podcast designed to nourish your mind, body, soul, and spirit. I'm your host, Anna Claire Lottie, and I'm so grateful you're here. In this holistic wellness podcast, I'll be having candid conversations with others, exploring topics such as healing with plants, food as medicine, earth connection, spirituality, conscious entrepreneurship, and so much more. Thank you for being here and sharing in this journey with me. Hello, and welcome back to Sage and Spirit. I'm really excited to share today's episode with you and to tell you a little bit more about my guest and our topic of conversation. But before I do that, I just want to throw out a quick disclaimer and make sure that it's really clear to everyone that I am a clinically trained herbalist and I am not a doctor. As such, I cannot prevent, treat, diagnose, or cure any illness. And all of the information contained within the Sage and Spirit podcast is meant for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please, please, please make sure to always do your own research whenever you're thinking about adding a new herb, supplement, protocol, or any other major lifestyle change into your daily habits, especially if you have a medical condition, if you're taking pharmaceuticals, if you're pregnant, or if you're breastfeeding. So with all of that out of the way, I am excited to bring you my guest today, and that is Ashley Cooper, who is a nationally licensed acupuncturist and herbalist. She received her master's degree in Chinese medicine from Taoist Traditions, which is a Chinese medical arts school here in Asheville, North Carolina. She's been practicing in the Asheville area now for over 10 years. Ashley's areas of expertise encompass fertility and women's health, um, digestive disorders, pain management, psycho-emotional issues, preventative medicine, cosmetic acupuncture, and really just overall health maintenance and stress relief. Ashley brings her intellect, her experience, and her compassion to every every session ensuring a really comfortable and non-judgmental healing space for everyone involved. She incorporates many different modalities into each treatment. And so in addition to acupuncture and herbal medicine, Ashley also works with food therapy, essential oils, gua sha, and cupping. She's committed to using these tools that she's learned to make her community a happier and healthier place. In today's conversation, Ashley and I are talking all about tips for spring wellness. As we welcome spring back into the world here in the Asheville area and in other parts of the Northern Hemisphere, a lot of us are also noticing different shifts within our bodies. Sometimes this might look like allergies flaring up or daily headaches or frequent headaches. Um, It can manifest in our body in a number of different ways. This can happen a lot of times with the change of the seasons. So Ashley shares with us a number of the ways that she approaches this all through the lens and scope of Chinese medicine. We talk not only about acupuncture and acupressure points, but we also discuss different foods and food therapies that are supportive for this time of year and for the transition of the seasons. And Ashley also talks about different herbs that can be incorporated into a protocol as well. So lots of really good tips, some super great information in here. Ashley is just a really brilliant and skilled acupuncturist, and I hope you enjoy learning with us today. Hey, Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yay. And it's so funny. We're here today in Appalachia, and it's finally raining. It's been a while since it's rained, but... um, Yeah, we're both here in Appalachia in the Asheville area and welcoming spring back into the world. It's beautiful and green. I know. Oh my gosh. It's been a long time coming, right? Every spring, I'm always like, we've made it. We've survived. But this one, especially with 
all of the extra little hurdles we've had, it's, it definitely feels even more of an awakening of like, yes. Yes, definitely. I know. I think that it comes around every February. I'm like, when are we going to be done with this, this whole mm -hmm. winter thing? So <laughs> it's definitely really nice to be, you know, slowly crawling out of the cave. Like you were, you and I were talking about before we um, started recording here. So I'm really excited to talk to you about the different ways that we can support our bodies through the seasons, the change of the seasons, especially going into spring when we're kind of coming out of this like sluggish hibernation state. So um, I wonder if you might want to start off by just talking a little bit about the work that you do with acupuncture and how that can be supportive. Um, you know, we'll get a lot further into it, but just talk a little bit about the spring season itself and, and what that looks like from a Chinese medicine perspective. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm an acupuncturist and herbalist, so I have that different lens and it's always such a fascinating, um, you know, cause some of it corresponds with like the Western way of looking at things, but of course that's the, my way of looking at things and my way of explaining it. And I love this medicine. I see it, you know, work every day and I'm very passionate about how it helps our bodies heal and definitely symptomatically feel better, but also kind of understanding what's going on in our bodies. Like there's a lot of, it makes sense, even though a lot of people associate Chinese medicine with it being like mysterious or, you know, we're not used to it when you start understanding and kind of realizing some of the concepts, you're like, oh, no wonder that's happening here. And a lot of what I do with acupuncture is bring awareness to the bodies. Cause I feel like that's one of the frustrating parts of, of our health journey sometimes is not understanding, you know, where things are imbalanced or why things are happening and kind of empowering our own health journey and being like, oh, this is what my body's trying to tell me. And this is what I can be doing to kind of help assist it versus furthering the imbalance. So when it comes to Chinese medicine, uh, one of the major, major theories of Chinese medicine is that we basically follow nature itself. We're so intrinsically connected to nature. So we have an expression that's, you know, as below, as above, so below. So one of the things that we do to kind of understand what's happening in our bodies is observe nature. And when it comes to, you know, the change of seasons, it's always such an important time to get acupuncture or any type of really modality, whether it be herbs or kind of having a shift in our because like we were talking about, like that coming out of the cave, sometimes it can feel a little like not very graceful. And <laughs> part of that is because, you know, obviously it makes sense that the temperatures have changed. So our bodies are like, whoa. And you add in Asheville where it's like spring. No, not yet. Just kidding. <laughs> All over <laughs> <So> the place. <laughs> a lot of that. So, you know, it's hard on our bodies just to change from season to season. And then you have in like external factors like wind or dampness and the different types of seasons that if we already have imbalances within our bodies of those, like if we have too much dampness or too much heat, then when it comes and there's heat starting to be generated, then we can kind of feel those imbalance as well. So that's like the physical kind of makes sense part of spring, but there's also such a energetic aspect of spring. So when we look at the seasons in Chinese medicine, one of our foundational theories is the five element theory, which we have like yin yang theory and then five element theory, which is almost a lot of what we use to kind of explain uh, what's happening in our bodies. So five element theory basically is a system of correspondences. It like helps break down what's going on in our bodies. So each season is associated with an element or a phase. Sometimes it's called five phases theory, which a lot of people prefer because it's not necessarily like the elements of how we think it's more of like phase in our life. It could be the phases we go in a year, or the phases we go through a lifetime, even within a day, we have all these different energetics of it. And when it comes to spring, we look at the wood elements. And so a lot of what we do in Chinese medicine to kind of help people in the spring is harmonize the wood element. So the wood element has a lot to do with um, upward movement. So kind of this idea of we were talking about like coming out of the cave, if you can think about a little like dandelion that's crawling out of cement, you know, it has that like force of like, I am coming up, I'm springing up. 
So there's this um, upward movement of motivation and direction. And uh, so each element or phase, like the wood element also has a lot of different correspondences. So it has a yin-yang pair that's associated with it. It has a sensory orifice. It has a taste. It has an emotion, a color. And that's one of the cool things of when someone comes in and has a whole bunch of various symptoms, like they might have headaches, they might have, you know, hormonal imbalances, they have um, stress and cold hands and feet, and all of that would be very much linked to the liver gallbladder or the wood element, because those are all the correspondences that have to do with it. So that's one of the ways that's really cool to kind of be able to treat multiple things at the same time, because they're very much related with that liver wood element. So I'll pause there because I feel like I'm just blabbering. <laughs> oh no, no, that's great. It's it's super interesting. And I, I love that about Chinese medicine. Um, kind of what you were saying, sometimes it does seem mysterious. Mm-hmm. You know? like kind of on the outside looking in it's like what is this all about um and the little bit of chinese medicine that i've learned in some of my studies and schooling i find to be really poetic oh, and, yeah. and practical and you know you have to assume that something that's been around for so many years is gonna have a practicality to it i feel the same way about ayurveda like it's these very like it just makes sense like what you were saying like things fit into place and it's like oh okay so heat is being being generated we have these upward movements what do we do with them and so there's this way of of working with that and being you know striving to be in harmony with that by by going with nature Mm -hmm. Um, you know just like you were saying so i find it really interesting that there are colors associated with these different elements um and that there are tastes associated so i wonder if you might talk a little bit more about that with the wood element could you yeah. maybe share some of that with us yeah of course so the wood element correspondences you're looking at um so the the organ pair would be the liver gallbladder which we'll talk a lot about how to harmonize that and the taste associated with sour so when we um, hopefully get to talk about some foods to help um, with the season we're looking at the the sour flavor the color is green which obviously makes sense too with all the greenery around um the sensory orifices are the eyes so it says that the liver opens up into the eyes and the body tissue so each element also has a body tissue for example the kidney bladder which is associated with the water has the bones whereas the spleen has the muscles the liver gallbladder has the sinews and tendons um so a lot of people will we'll talk a little bit more about some pathology but a lot of like tension and stiffness and uh kind of also again poetic it all kind of makes sense as you know a branch, or even if you think of a little bamboo that shoots up, it needs to be strong and upward movement, but there also needs to be a flexibility to it where it just doesn't break with the wind. And that has a lot to do with that um, nourishment of the sinews and tendons in our bodies that, you know, our joints need to stay lubricated. So a lot of the liver herbs will moisten the liver or, and the sour flavor astringes. So kind of that idea of like holding our are fluid so that we can kind of go with the flow, uh, but also um, physically and energetically at the same way, like with our muscles, with our sinews and tendons, and also with our emotions. The emotions is anger, uh, which is always such an interesting one because, you know, as I think society-wise, and obviously as women, I think it's one of the ones that gets like poo-pooed the most or the ones that we, a lot of people struggle with admitting sometimes or, or, or realizing how much, and obviously all the emotions have a place and anger is a really useful one when it comes to asserting our boundaries or kind of being able to speak up when, you know, something's wrong and things like that. But obviously it can also get out of whack a lot and can cause a lot of frustration, irritability, resentment. Uh, So that's all on the spectrum of that wood element. Um, There's also an organ clock. So each season also has like a specific time that those organs are are going through it. So the gallbladder is 11 to one in the evening and the liver is one to three. So a lot of the times when people have um, specific symptoms around times, like very common people wake up between that one to three in the morning time, 
that has a lot to do with that liver. And a lot of people who don't go to bed by 11, which in Chinese medicine, we always, always, always tell people to try to go to bed by 11, because again, the spring energy of upward movement, if you're not in bed by 11, a lot of people get that second wind of like, oh, let me clean out this drawer. Let me, you know, do my to-do list. <laughs> and that's that spring energy or that liver energy wanting to like rise up, but it's really important for it to kind of be resting at that point so it can restore and kind of do some of the functions that it needs to do. I am definitely guilty of that. <laughs> Girl, you're not alone. You're not alone. <laughs> it's so funny because sometimes I find myself getting tired at like way earlier in the evening. I'm like, no, no, I got to push it a little, a little longer, you know? And then all of a sudden, yeah, it's 11 or 1130. And I'm just like, oh, now is the time that I want to do all these things. And I'm like, well, yes. you know, I go with the motivation, but then, but then, you know, yeah, the next morning I'm like, no, I don't want to get out of bed. So <laughs> Um, you know, it's really interesting too. And this is like a teeny bit of an aside, but once I learned about the, the Chinese medicine clock, I always thought that it was really interesting and somewhat ironic that the bars all like used to close around 2 AM. And that's like right mm -hmm. smack dab in the middle of liver, liver time. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. I thought that was really interesting when I learned that. So, um, also, when you're talking about these different emotions and the sensory orifices and, you know, it's making me think, too, of some of the the common symptoms that people experience during the springtime, especially with allergies. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thinking of like itchy, watery eyes and how that could correlate with the liver organ like you're talking about. And, um, you know, I have. I'm kind of a person who's prone to muscular tension anyway, but I've definitely noticed it within myself recently. And I've chopped most of it up to being outdoors and doing yard work and that sort of thing. But it sounds like also there is a different, you know, physical component that could be playing into that too. Absolutely. So um, I'm definitely really excited to hear about some of the different ways that we can work with our, our herbs and acupressure and acupuncture, um, different foods to really support us through this time. And um, I wonder like, what's a, what's your sort of starting point with that? Where would you recommend that people start with supporting themselves through the seasons? And the so it's interesting because, you know, and one of the things I, I wanted to make note of too, is that a lot of the times when I start talking to people about their liver imbalance, immediately people are like, what's wrong with my liver or is it because I'm drinking too much or, you know, and it's one of the things that I love about Chinese medicine is that it's, it's very physical and science and, and very real uh, and substantive, but it's also very energetic. So when we talk about the liver being out of balance, it doesn't necessarily mean there's anything wrong with your actual liver organ or your gallbladder. Although it is interesting that a lot of the times liver cheese stagnation is very common in people because again, the, the liver has a lot of functions in Chinese medicine and some of them correlate with the Western functions, but they're completely different. Like the spleen, for example, in Chinese medicine does very different things than what we think of the spleen in Western medicine. So the liver in Chinese medicine, its major function is basically the smooth um, flow of chi and blood through your body. So it's the one that's responsible for making sure that chi is circulating and that blood is circulating. And it can get very stagnant very easily because many things can, you know, if we have that upward rising energy of wanting to do things and immediately we don't either have the energy to do it or there's too much excess energy like dampness or heat that are kind of bogging it down, it's almost like that bottleneck where it's like, can get stressed. And obviously we live in a very stressful society. Stress is like so common, like, oh, it's just stress. Like you have anxiety, it's stress. You have this, it's stress, but liver chi stagnation, even though it's one of the most common things I see. And one of the most almost superficial in the way that like, oh, we can just do some points to move the liver energy. And it's very easy to treat considering a lot of like the more internal things in time, it can actually lead to liver imbalance. So that's one of the cool things about Chinese medicine too, is that we're really looking at preventative health. So if somebody has, you know, chronic stress or chronic go, 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 which I am very guilty of myself of like, oh, doing this, that, but if it's like, we don't have that balance, then over time, 
liver chi stagnation can keep, continue to grow and lead to things like liver fire or liver yang rising or can end up leading to like liver toxic heat. And then that is when you're looking at actual imbalances in the liver organ. So you might start seeing, you know, liver enzymes elevated or, you know, different actual like gallbladder stones and things like that. So that's one of the things I wanted to make note of, because immediately people think of liver and like, what's wrong with my liver and alcohol, but it's, we're really talking more about that energetic function of the liver. So, um, where do I start with that? So, you know, I guess, I mean, acupuncture is, you know, my go-to obviously, and it's, it's the tool that is most associated with Chinese medicine, but what I love about Chinese medicine, it's just one of the tools. So food therapy is a huge one. Herbal medicine is a huge one. Um, Qigong and breathing techniques are really huge to kind of help move the liver energy. And then like lifestyle recommendations too, because obviously nobody can be getting acupuncture every day or, you know, so it's really, again, about kind of learning how to de-stress our bodies and how to choose things in our daily lives that help us be more in balance versus kind of making the imbalances grow stronger and longer. And then until we're, you know, blah. <laughs> so that's the like at a, at a crisis point, point right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which, you know, and that's one of the cool things is a lot of people come in in crisis point, but you know, again, preventative medicine was the major type of medicine back in the day. And unfortunately we've moved away from that, but really being able to sway a lot of it, I think of it as like these little grooves that get created in our body. And, you know, we've created a groove, but it's like, we can also tell our body like, no, no, we can also go this way. And we don't have to continuously making that groove just deeper and deeper until it doesn't know another way to go. Right. So just kind of having that conscious awareness of this is what I'm experiencing. Now, how do I sort of lift myself up and off of this path and and redirect a little bit? Right. Absolutely. So um, definitely, I I love when I'm able to get acupuncture. I remember the first time I ever had acupuncture and I really I felt this like sense of euphoria almost. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and I think it was just like an opening, like it just felt like things in my body were moving, were flowing, not in this like super physical, I mean, in a physical way, but it wasn't like, you know, I could feel my blood going through my veins or anything like that, but it was, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, it was just more of this sort of like, I, I felt like energy had been freed up that I was then able to use or work with in a different way, um, than where I had been, you know, prior to that. And so stagnation definitely seems to make a lot of sense um, that we're we're all a lot of us at least are coming from this place where things haven't been moving quite as quickly or fluidly through um you know up here and and where we're located through the winter months where we you know it is sort of this a bit of a hibernation process where it's more inward there's not as much outward movement and so as we're approaching this time and and we're technically into spring now and everything is coming forth um, what are some other ways? Um, so obviously acupuncture, if people can get in and get acupuncture, um, most acupuncturists are able to discern which points need, um, need more attention than others. Mm -hmm. I, I guess I would phrase it that way. Um, but then what are some, let's maybe start with foods that we yeah, can, definitely. that's something that's definitely, you know, kind of, a, I feel like maybe an easy starting point with like, okay, well, where I can go to the grocery store, you know, and where do I start with that? Definitely. So it's, it's, you know, that's why I was so honored to be here and be talking um, to you and your guests, because it's, you know, a lot of what we work with in Chinese medicine is promoting movement. Like, you know, the word chi gets thrown around, but right now in the spring is like the pivotal moment to work on that. I mean, we have to work on we have an expression wherever there's pain, there's stagnation. So there's a lot of that movement that you described of what you felt with acupuncture, but right now is the quintessential time that that energy can get very stagnant very easily. So this is a time to really incorporate some lifestyle changes to kind of help our bodies because it's, we just went from the yinest time of the year to the youngest time of the year. So it's like, it's almost the biggest shift in our bodies right now. So that's why it's a really important time. So food wise, 
when you're thinking about the liver gallbladder um, in Chinese medicine, you kind of want to look back at some of the correspondences that we talked about. So definitely we talked about the color is green. So, you know, if somebody's working on their heart or fire element, we would prescribe more like red type foods, but with the liver, we're really looking at green foods, which is very easy, which we should be eating. It should, you know, in general, hopefully incorporating more green foods anyway. So definitely incorporating, um, green leafy greens, um, is really important for the liver gallbladder and Chinese medicine tends to, with food therapy, we don't have like everyone needs to eat this. It really depends on the constitution. So, you know, depending on if somebody has more like liver blood deficiency, let's say, since the liver is responsible for storing the blood, a lot of women with hormone issues have blood deficiency, which can look like eye floaters or dizziness or, um, you know, menstrual irregularities, or somebody can have a lot more of like, let's say, liver fire, which might be more vertex headaches and temple headaches or high blood pressure. So depending on, we might prescribe different types of liver foods, but I'm going to talk about general since obviously we can't prescribe individually. So we're looking at green foods. Uh, we're also looking at, um, stock or stems because stocks and stem foods actually have that ascending role. So things like asparagus, celery, kohlrabi have that like ascending, um, motion. Asparagus is actually one of like the perfect liver foods because it's green. It's grows upward. Um, it has a little bit of like a sour bitter, um, correspondence. And even though the liver taste is actually sour. So you want to incorporate lemon water, for example, is something super easy that I usually tell people like in the morning, in the spring, just a little bit of lemon water, or, you know, if people like apple cider vinegar, or, um, that can be really helpful because the sour helps astringe, but there's also a bitter correspondence with the liver because the liver, because it can get stagnant very easily, we kind of need to help detoxify it. And that's where, the Western lens kind of makes sense with it too, of like, okay, people do liver detoxes all the time. In general, I'm not huge on liver detoxes as far as like taking a lot of supplements or, you know, I do think spring would be the time if you're going to do a detox, but bitter flavors are a great way to kind of incorporate detoxifying without it being too much on your system. Um, so looking at your like, um, your really bitter greens, your arugula and your watercress and things like that can be really helped to kind of detoxify and cool the liver energy because all foods also have a energetic temperature. So you either have cooling foods or warming foods. And a lot of the times we want to start cooling the liver because if it can get stagnant, then that can start generating some of the heat, which can cause insomnia and irritability and all that um, anxiety. So cooling foods can be really good too. So your chicory, your radicchio, your dandelion greens, which are growing everywhere, um, can be really helpful. Uh, let's see what else I definitely also the liver is responsible for storing blood. So proteins actually are really good for the liver. Uh, so you're looking at your red meats. If you do eat meat, but it could also be things that build the blood and Chinese medicine would be like, again, your dark leafy greens or red beets are really good to kind of help build the blood. And a lot of the times if the liver isn't able to move the blood, it's because it doesn't have a lot of it. So a lot of the times there's that excess and deficiency correspondence. So a lot of the times building the blood can be really helpful. Uh, sprouts are fantastic for the liver gallbladder, because again, it's that wood energy of like something growing really quickly. And, um, so your microgreens or your bean sprouts or even grain sprouts, uh, mung beans are like, uh, the quintessential also liver food. So asparagus and mung beans are like all stars right now. Uh, fruit wise, you want to look at berries because berries have that sour, you know, we pick the sweet ones usually, but intrinsically they're very, can be sour. 
And berries are the only fruit in Chinese medicine that actually help build the blood. So your blueberries and strawberries and blackberries and even your grapes um, are very good, especially like green grapes, because they have a little bit of that sour green correspondence can definitely help the liver. Uh, and then you also want to be cooking with a lot of spices in general. So things that also kind of have that upright stock. So your dill and your thyme and parsley, cilantro, all the things that are kind of available as spring starts to happen. So eating seasonally also makes sense, common sense wise of, you know, whatever is in season as well. Did, did that make sense? Did yeah, I yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's it's funny as you're talking too. I'm like, these are definitely some of the foods that I found myself sort of craving. Recently. Oh yeah, yeah. So the, our bodies are smart. Like a lot of the times, if you're craving sour, it's because that liver is actually telling you. And that's again, kind of bringing that awareness of like, what is my body trying to tell me? It's like, oh, it's either trying to move energy or I'm trying to consolidate so that I have enough resources. Like a lot of, that wood energy is, you know, and we kind of talked about this before we started recording, but, you know, motivation and new planning and projects. But a lot of us have that, like, oh, can we do it? You know, feeling <laughs> like, do I have resources? And if we didn't follow the seasons in winter, for example, like winter's supposed to be about slowing down and really hibernating. And in our society, we don't do that as much. It is interesting this year, even though COVID obviously was a shit show for lack of a better <laughs> expression and really hard for so many, so many different reasons. Some of the beneficial things I saw was that people slowed down this winter a little bit more and they didn't have as much obligations with like holiday stresses and family stuff. And in some ways that helped prepare people for a better spring, because if we don't follow the seasons, then it's just going to continue to ripple and grow onto the next seasons and until it just kind of ferments as well. So, um, yeah, it's interesting how our bodies kind of know and we'll start craving a little bit of that sour or bitter or, you know, kind of want more like meat or proteins and things like that, because it's, it's, it, it's trying to tell us what it needs. Right. Um, and in general too, we want to just look at more like lighter foods in general. So in the winter, we were really, you know, doing a lot of cooked and warm and like soups and stews. That's a lot of like the winter foods, but now it's like, we can do a lot more of the lighter, crispier, like think like cucumbers and things that are just not as heavy on our digestion, because again, we don't want things to stagnate. So we kind of need those spices um, and things to kind of help break things down, just like the liver, you know, sends um, bile to the gallbladder to kind of help emulsify the fats. We kind of need um, a lot of those spices. Another great thing to incorporate for the liver that I just thought of is the, in Chinese medicine, we have an herb called Chen Pi, which is basically the dried orange peel, but also doing citrus peels are really good. The citrus fruit is a little too sweet for the liver and it can stagnate it, but the peels of it, making a tea with that um, is really helpful to kind of help move the liver energy and can um, help with any stagnation in the digestion system as well. Mm, yeah, I love that. And, you know, as you're talking about sort of moving into the lighter foods coming from this heavier cooked, warm, you know, more dense sort of, um, tendencies throughout the winter. I'm wondering when you're talking about the different greens, would you say that those, um, is there a difference between whether they're better cooked or raw or steamed, or is it just kind of get them any way you can? Yeah. So in general, so a lot of the times in, so again, it kind of depends on the individual, like a lot of people have digestive. So when it comes to our digestion and, and Chinese medicine, we see the stomach as a cooking pot. And then we have the spleen underneath it, which is the fire. And if anybody's ever seen an acupuncturist, they probably have been told like, don't do ice in your drinks. Try to kind of avoid a lot of raw um, or cold foods, like things that are right out of the um, fridge. Like I have people, you know, who come in in the winter and they're like, oh no, I eat pristine. I have a smoothie for breakfast and then a salad for lunch. And for us acupuncturists, we're like, no, <laughs> 
because when you do too much cold or raw things that can start putting out the fire in our body and basically can create a lot of metabolism issues or a lot of sludginess and then can cause brain fog and other things like that. Um, but as far as spring goes, we can start incorporating a little bit more of those because again, there's more heat being generated on the outside. So it's like, we have a little bit more heat. I still wouldn't recommend people going like fully raw in the spring, like summer is a little bit more time that people can do a lot more of the salads. So definitely more like sauteed, lightly steamed is really good for that liver gallbladder because it's still light and crisp and you're not like cooking it in a porridge necessarily, but it's easier to digest and will help with that stomach fire um, and your digestion. Thank you for that. That makes a lot of sense. And um, it sounds to me like it really is about just finding that balance. I think sometimes you know, we get to that place where we're just so ready for spring and summer to be here that we just want to launch like full on and just right there. Um, But, you know, to to be a little bit more gradual and and mindful about it seems to make a lot of sense too, where we can start steaming things a little bit. And then maybe by the time June and July roll around, we're having more actual raw salads and and that sort of thing. Um, So that makes a lot of sense. All about balance. Balance is like the quintessential word when it comes to, you know, Chinese medicine. And I think health in general, like we're not, you know, perfect beings and we're never going to be in perfect emotional balance or physical balance, but just finding that balance within us. And that can be different day to day or year to year, but just, you know, being easy on ourselves and seeing where we can make it easier on our bodies as well, I think is, is really key. Right. And like you said too, just listening and, and, you know, tuning into what kind of cravings we might be experiencing and, And, you know, and then having the sort of discernment around that, like if you're craving sour foods, like maybe you don't eat the sour candy, but you go and, you know, and you have some actual sour fruit instead. And and, there's obviously a difference in in that as well. Exactly. Like when people crave sweets, it's one of those things that sweet is related with the spleen, which is the late summer uh, element or the earth element. And you know, the spleen actually, the sweetness helps the spleen. So it's one of those things that, you know, something like sweet potato or even rice is very sweet, but not the chocolate chip cookies or the <laughs> necessarily, that's not the type of sweet, but it's very indicative when we're craving those things that some of those organs can be out of balance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and to, yeah, just notice that, you know, I think that that's, Oftentimes I notice that that's a huge piece of it too, is just really taking that time to tune in because we don't always really know where it's coming from or why it's coming up for us. But if we start to kind of ask those questions of ourselves, then maybe we'll get more information about how, how to move forward with that. Absolutely. And why that's one of the things that I, you know, I, I try to walk the talk and obviously, you know, again, human and we do the best mm-hmm. we can, but one of the things I um, tell my patients a lot of the times is, you know, especially in spring too, is to journal and it's, you know, to not come at it from a place of judgment or like, oh my God, I ate like crap. It was Easter. And I, you know, but more out of a place of just awareness and checking in, because I think so much of our lifestyle is to check out. And some of that is, necessary because, you know, we need to be functioning and, you know, we need Netflix and we need sometimes, um, you know, some people use alcohol or exercise or different things to like check out. But I think checking in is really important and doing it in a very graceful and kind way to yourself of like, okay, what is my body telling me and how can I pay attention? Um, is a really sweet thing we can do for ourselves and journaling is really helpful for that. And especially with the liver energy too, the liver opening up into the eyes has that it's the physical aspect of like floaters and itchy eyes and eye imbalances, but also vision of like, what do I want my days to look like? What do I want to plan? Um, the liver is the general in Chinese medicine. So it's like the commander and it tells things what to do, but it has a lot to do with like envisioning and journaling can be really helpful to like, what do you want to see the world? And, you know, that can be, part of that journaling experience. I love that perspective. And, you know, something that I've recommended to my clients before, especially when people 
feel like they're experiencing food sensitivities and that sort of thing, but they're not really sure what they are, that keeping a, a like a food diary, but also journaling about their emotions and their behaviors during that time too, because they really are so intrinsically linked together. And, you know, sometimes I'll notice I really strive a lot of times to be gluten-free, but I've never gone 100% gluten-free for an extended period of time. But I do notice that sometimes I'll be like, oh, you know, I'm feeling super sluggish today or like my knees hurt more or I have a headache or my stomach or whatever it is. And then if I've kind of taken note of that ahead of time, I can look back and start to see these patterns within myself. And maybe I also notice that I'm a little bit more agitated or irritated or snappy or, you know, something along those lines too. So it's really good information, I think, for ourselves. And it, and it takes some effort. It, it definitely does. I'm not always um, the stellar example of consistency. Um, but once we can get to a point with that, even if we're just starting out and just you know, taking time five minutes a day to check in and see where we are with things and think about maybe what we've eaten and how and how we feel. And we, we start to be able to to really draw lines between all the different aspects of our lives. Absolutely. Because otherwise it's so overwhelming and it's like, you know, and especially there's so much information out there of like, eat this, no, do this, do the keto, do the paleo. And people could just be like, you know, very overwhelmed versus, you know, realizing that our bodies have the wisdom and that if we just kind of listen to the memos before they become screens kind of things in our own bodies, that it can be really, really helpful. And again, without it, you know, being obsessive or like judgment, but just like, oh, I'm checking in and I'm seeing what's happening and seeing what I can do differently. Right. I want to also go back to what you were saying about how, you know, we feel this upward movement and what you were saying with the liver sort of um, opening to the orifices of the eyes and how we can, you know, how that's like also envisioning like what our next steps are, what's our, what's our vision for where we're going next. And that we start to oftentimes come up with all these different plans and things that we want to do. And we start making the lists and we've got the garden and all these different things. And then we're wondering, okay, where do I get the energy for this? Uh And (laughs) I'm seeing that also potentially tying back to, you know, you have all these ideas, you want to do all these things, and maybe you're not feeling the energy to actually carry, you know, like follow through with it all. And then that could potentially lead to more frustration, which yeah. goes back to the liver and anger and all of that. Right. So, exactly. so it's that little bottleneck where it's like, it wants to rise up, but it's so easily like any little, like if you put a cap on it, then it just like gets that pressurizes. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, um, so I heard you mention that movement is really important and mm-hmm. that Qigong is, is potentially one of these really great ways. And for people who don't know much about Qigong, could you maybe just give us a quick, you know, like a quick explanation of what that is? Yeah. So Qigong is basically a moving meditation. So it's, you know, some people know Tai Chi a little bit more and Tai Chi is even, it's more of a, um, I guess Qigong is more of a standing meditation and Tai Chi can be more of a moving meditation. And, you know, there's just like in yoga, there's a lot of like yin type yoga and yang yoga, Tai Chi and Qigong. There's like ones that are much more stationary or moving, but it's basically uh, breath work just as yoga is, or um, meditation is, but Qigong is um, there's many different forms of it. YouTube has amazing. Um, if you, you, there's actually, and I don't know if I can, share it with your people or link it, but there's a great uh, YouTube video that's specifically for spring Qigong movements um, that kind of do the gallbladder is located on the side of the channel. So a lot of like one-sided issues or the gallbladder is also being on the side of the channel has a lot to do with like decision-making, whereas the liver is like the planner, like we're going to do this, the gallbladder then kind of takes action. So a lot of, um, like shifts from side to side or like just movement. I'm doing it on the video here and it comes only <laughs> one uh, but definitely um, movements like that can just help that liver gallbladder kind of help with the planning and decision-making, but Qigong is, is, can be very subtle, um, but it can be very powerful as well. And, you know, you got to kind of find what you resonate with. I find that some people really love Qigong. Some people would rather do yoga or, you know, walking is actually one of the best things to do for the liver because uh, anything that's 
um, standing up relates with the liver, whereas the spleen would be like sitting um, exercises or the lung is um, being flat. So swimming is really good for the lungs, but walking is amazing for the liver. And obviously being around nature can be very grounding as well. So, you know, starting your day with like a brisk walk is one of the very simple yet amazing things that you can do for that liver energy as well. That's great. And, um, and I really appreciate the accessibility of that too. It's not, you know, you don't have to have a room in your house with all these different pieces of equipment and balls and weights. And, you know, we really can just, you know, if, if we're able and we have the physical capacity to do so, we can stand up and walk outside our door or, you know, just, you know, if we're in Appalachia, like we are, get out on a trail when we're able to. And, and even just where I live, I know we go and we walk our dogs twice a day and with all the green around, it really does feel so healing. And sometimes I can really be in a mood and not feeling it, but mm -hmm. then once I actually get up and do it and, you know, my dogs are really great for that motivation factor. Cause they'll bark at me until I do. <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, if I want them to stop barking, then we're just going to do this thing. And nine times out of 10, I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like they know what I need. They're like, Mom, you're you're a little crazy today. Let's go out and go walking. You're getting irritable. You're fussy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you're, one of the um, signs of liver cheese stagnation is frequent sighing. So my wife and I will always like be like, oh, is it, you know, it's, do you, and one of the herbal formulas uh, we keep like on tap here because it's like when we start that frequent sign of like, <sighs> that's a very quintessential sign of liver cheese stagnation because the liver goes through your diaphragm. So that can lead to a lot of that irritability. So it's interesting too, to my dogs will also force me on walks. Um, but my wife will also be like, you're sighing. You need a little bit of liver, liver support. I'm like, all right. Right. Don't tell me what to do. <laughs> it's so funny when you have a partner who, um, who tunes into this stuff as well and they can like, call you out. It can be really, it can be very helpful, but sometimes in the moment it's, it doesn't feel so helpful. You just no, like, stop. I don't want to hear that, you know, <laughs> but also it's nice if they just like hand you a formula and they're like, okay, why don't you just try a little bit of this right now? Yeah. <laughs> so that being said, I'm really interested to hear what sort of formula you might keep around for those sorts of situations. <laughs> tell me, tell me. So in Chinese medicine, we don't usually work on like single herbs as much as in like Western herbs where they're like, you know, take this for that. We really look at the synergistic effects of lots of herbs together. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of different liver formulas that incorporate a lot of different herbs that aren't as accessible or easily like kitcheny type herbs. Um, like blue pleurum is one that's kind of common and Western herbalism uses it a little bit, but um, the formula I love for the liver is called Xiaoyao um, Tong or Xiaoyao San if it's in um, pill form and it translates as free and easy wander. And I actually, at my clinic, always have that in the spring as a tea version. So it's a little bit like watered down, um, not like full strength dose, but it's really helpful because it has um, blue pleurum, it has donggui, which is a really good blood, um, mover and builder. It has, um, baiju, which, um, I think is a tract of lotus, which helps with the spleen, but basically this formula will help move the liver energy, but will also help. It has baishao, which is white peony root, which also helps kind of astringe the liver and helps, um, with the fluidity. So the idea of free and easy wander is that like we can adapt, you know, and a lot of that wood energy is, you know, planning, but also being able to go with the flow and kind of life obviously throws us little obstacles here and there. So just being able to adjust and kind of go with the flow um, is that um, element of the liver gallbladder, if it's in harmony or if it's nourished. So Xiaoyatong does that very well. And it's such a broad can be used for fertility issues, can be used for headaches, can be used for digestive issues, can just be used when people are stressed. So that's the one that my wife is like, you know, did you take your free and easy wander? And I'll be like, did you take it? Uh <laughs> you take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's an herbal formula I like. Um, but then there's some single herbs that people can really incorporate. Um, like chrysanthemum is one that sometimes you can find a tea of at um, you know, whole foods or online and chrysanthemum is really nice because it in Chinese medicine, it goes to the lung and liver. So really good for allergies. 
So people who have allergies that are a lot in the eyes have more to do with the liver, but if it's a lot of in the nose, like more of the rhinitis, that's more of the lung energy. So the juhua or the chrysanthemum does a little bit of both. So you can drink it as a tea, um, which is kind of delicious. Um, or you can also do it as like little eye compresses on your eyes for people who have a lot of allergies. Uh, goji berries is a fantastic single herb too, that in Chinese medicine goes to the liver. It helps build the blood. So kind of the idea of like the berries, how we talked about, but, um, it also opens up into the eyes. So it can help like sometimes doing a little bit of, uh, chrysanthemum and goji can help with eye stuff. It could also help with high blood pressure or headaches. So lots of those liver imbalances. Um, mint is a really nice one too, because mint um, is actually more in our materia medica releases the exterior. So that's like its primary function. So for colds and flus and, um, but it has, uh, it also has a liver effect where it can help move the liver very gently. So incorporating a little bit of mint tea um, is very nice and can help with digestion menstrual, emotional issues. Um, so those are kind of my like go-to simple one herbers. And then you have like herbal formulas that can really be a little bit more fine-tuned. Right. And so people could get some of those more specific ones if they were to visit an herbalist or an acupuncturist who could really tune in to exactly what they're experiencing and their constitution and energetics and everything like that. Exactly. Um, but I love how, you know, mint is very accessible for a lot of people. If people have even, you know, a windowsill or a pot that they can grow a plant in where they are, um, mint tends to be very forgiving. And if people have ever grown mint or found it in their yards, they know that it can take over in a heartbeat. Um, actually, my brother-in-law was saying recently, like they had to go through this whole like intervention with their mint in their yard because it was like their whole entire yard was turning into mint. And he was like, well, I just wanted like a teeny little patch and it, it ended up being something much larger than that. Um, yeah, I, I put mint in a pot last year and I do not have the greenest thumb by any means. And I was so amazed that, you know, I kind of left it to die in the winter and didn't do anything. And now I just looked at it and I was like, you are still alive. You're amazing. You're <laughs> still here and going strong. Yeah. I love that. And, um, and I'm so grateful for your reminder about goji berries too. I love goji berry. And every time that I have them, I feel, I feel like they're good for me, but I just mm -hmm. never think to, to get them and to have them around in my house and my cabinet. So um, I definitely want to get some goji berry because it's been a long time. And I used to put chrysanthemum in my tea, or I would even mix it into like a lemon water and take it on mm -hmm. hikes because I tend to get headaches when I get really hot or overheated. And I think that that may also correspond with like liver heat rising and stuff like that. Um, but I would incorporate chrysanthemum into my teas because I noticed that it had sort of a cooling grounding effect and I wouldn't get so um, kind of like overworked when I would so go on good. hikes and incorporate that. Um, yeah, it's so cool how it's cooling. And even if you have a hot tea version of it, you can feel cool after, even if it's hot because it has that cooling energetic to it. Right. And it, it's, it sounds, it feels like counterintuitive, but then when you experience with it, you know, in your body, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I, I see what you're talking about. I love that about herbs. Like they can just be, they can be really surprising sometimes. Um, but with the Xiaoya San or Xiaoya Tang too, I, um, I just love that the name is free and easy wanderer. Mm -hmm. I actually, that's the very first Chinese formula I ever heard about. And it was when I was working at this like really nice sort of spa place in Charleston, South Carolina. And we had two acupuncturists who inevitably ended up in Asheville as well. <laughs> and so they're both here in town now. Um, but they were the first ones that sort of introduced me to that formula and and to a lot of acupuncture and Chinese medicine in general, they were sort of my very first glimpse into that world. And it's just the name itself, it makes me want to embody that, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I really appreciate that. And I wonder, um, you know, if this is something that's really new to people or they're unsure where to start. Um, I know that with your acupuncture practice here in town, you all have a storefront as well. Do you sell any of these formulas on your website? Or if people don't have an acupuncturist already, or that's not within their realm of possibility right now, yeah. how could they um, get their hands on some of this Xiaoya San, which I'll also put in the show notes because I know okay. that the, the Chinese... Uh, 
Kenyan terminology can be a little bit hard to understand when you're just hearing the word. So we'll make sure to link it in the show notes too. Um, but yeah, do you have any recommendations for where people could find that? Yeah, as far as herbal formulas, I definitely, I mean, my whole mission is definitely to make things accessible and, you know, and a lot of people, whether it be for time or finances, you know, going in and seeing somebody isn't an option. Um, so if anybody has ever any questions, they can always, you know, reach out to me on my Instagram too. I always like, if you're looking for an acupuncturist and you live in, you know, I have a really great, uh, system of acupuncturists all over the world and can kind of help find people. Um, herbal formulas are a little tricky because people self-prescribe a lot or they hear like, Ooh, I want to be free and easy wander. Let me take that. And even though it's uh, some formulas are safer to do that than others, be, like Xiao Tang is a harmonizing formula. So it moves and it nourishes. So it's very balanced in that way. So for most people, um, but you know, again, you kind of have to just like essential oils or herbs, you have to kind of know what you're doing and if it's a right fit for you. Um, you know, unfortunately you can find everything online now in the good old Amazon. So there's <laughs> that, which has, we could do a whole nother show on that. Um, right. but, um, I, that's why I like more of like the single herbs or more of like the food when it comes to, you know, incorporating more of the, the bitter flavors or sour flavors, because otherwise herbs, um, you just want to make sure that it's a right fit for you. But uh, we do, I do offer herbal consults or there's a lot of acupuncturists that also just offer herbal consults, or I do have an online shop um, and a wellness boutique part of my practice. Cause a lot of what I wanted to do was empower people in their health. And if they couldn't come in or kind of, again, teaching them or inspiring them to do daily things. So a lot of my wellness boutique has like fun skincare stuff or, 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 teas and, and, and things for them to incorporate in their daily life for wellness. So, um, yeah, they can always reach out with any questions, but I would, I would start with like single herbs and like more culinary stuff. If you, uh, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then, um, yeah, if people want to dive deeper, then they can reach out and consult with someone or just make sure, you know, obviously we always want to do our own research before we introduce new protocols or herbs or practices into our lives, just because everybody is so different and, and has mm -hmm. completely different makeups. Um, so that's a super good point. Um, and then I just wonder, is there, um, are there any other things that are coming up for you that feel accessible to people as as they're moving into this next phase in life any kind of closing remarks or thoughts um let's see i mean acupressure is always a really easy thing that people can do at home too and um one of the major points for the liver i mean there's 14 points on the liver meridian um so there's lots of to pick one but one that's like the all-star is liver three which is located on the between your big toe and your second toe on your foot um and if you google liver three there's you know a lot of images but that is a great point that people can rub down on if they are feeling stagnant or having you know irritability frustration or kind of just needing a little bit of the the goodness of the liver which is that you know envisioning and motivation and um, upward movement um, so that's a really nice thing that they can always do essential oils are also really nice and you know people can dabble into that so um, again peppermint kind of how mint internally peppermint is a good one for the liver uh, Nioli, which is part of the Maluka is one that's really nice for the liver. So even putting a little bit of, um, they make liver blends too. Um, I have one now at the shop. That's a, a springtime diffuser blend and also like a roll on version that people can put on their liver points to kind of help. Mm. But I would say, you know, take deep breaths. <laughs> that's one that's the simplest, but you know, like we can, you know, do all these things or have all these practices, but just remember to take deep breaths, listen to your body, um, connect, find ways to take care of yourself. Like, and for that, for it's different for everyone, but whether that be connection or alone time. Um, but I think with the crazy year that we've all had with COVID politically, all the different reasons are, you know, individual life stuff too just finding ways to take care of ourselves, to be kind to ourselves um, and definitely each other, I think, um, I think is, 
you know, a good place to start. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that. And um, I just, one of the things I really love um, about herbal medicine and acupuncture and, and also just about doing this podcast is, is sharing with people all the different ways that we can truly find greater harmony and wellness within our bodies, within our lives, within our emotions and everything else, you know, so we're looking at, like you said, essential oils, movement, foods, you know, just hydrating. I mean, sometimes I forget to hydrate and that makes a world of difference when I actually sit down and take the time to drink my water. And sometimes I do like to put lemon in there because it, it makes it easier. You know, it makes it easier to go down. It's more flavorful and it actually has a physical effect within our bodies. So I just appreciate all these different ways that we can approach this because like you said, it is different for everybody. And so it's, it's like having this tool bag that we can choose which tools work for us and an experiment. And like you said too, and that may be different from one day to the next, from one season to the next and more than likely will be. So, <laughs> so I really appreciate all these practices that you've shared with us today. And, um, I would love to, if like we, I mentioned sleep before 11, that's a big one. Cause yes. sleep, it's almost like that grandma medicine of like, you know, drink water, rest. Like it sounds so simple and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What else can I do? But it's like, that's, such a starting point and where a lot of us go awry, where it's just like, oh, let's, you know, sleep less. You know? So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's legit. It's real stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would too, I would love to have, um, maybe if you could share that YouTube link for the spring Absolutely. Qigong, yeah. mm -hmm. I can put that in the show notes and people can check that out and then see if that's something that resonates with them and explore a little more with that. Um, so I do want to make sure that people know how to find you and your practice if they would like to learn more and what are some good ways that they can find you on the internet or anywhere else in the world <laughs> on the interwebs. Um, yeah. So my uh, practice name is East acupuncture wellness boutique. So uh, my website is East And then you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at East acupuncture wellness. Uh, definitely try to, you know, Instagram as a beast of having a business and trying to market and all oh of that. Gosh, but I, about it. I, I, Oh, it's so interesting, but it, I also really try to, um, people to get to know me there and like have informational stuff that they can use. So, um, check out my Instagram. I try to have some info there, but people can always reach out to me. I have, um, my email addresses on there, um, phone numbers on there. My, um, you can text all the things if you have any questions, but I, I love Chinese medicine. It's, you know, the, what I study, but I always tell people find the one that works for you, whether it be, you know, chiropractic or cranial sacral or massage or, um, herbs in general, but, you know, just finding good team on your wellness journey, I think is really important because it can get quite frustrating. If not. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, there's just so much information out there and, and sometimes it's just starting with the most, the most simple and then going from there. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I have one more question for you today, and this is kind of my like little toss it in at the end um, sort of thing. But um, basically, I would love to hear if there's anything that that's feeling really nourishing to you right now on any level. It can be physical, spiritual, emotional. Is there anything that's just feeling like this is my jam right now? It's really helping me out. <laughs> oh, nourishing to me right now. Um... Hmm. I would say, I mean, I've had a year like most of us of not having a lot of connection with people. And I definitely have worked out my muscle of my introvertedness and I'm quite comfortable in it, but I've been really, uh, craving nourishment and the sense of connection with people. And like this afternoon, I'm going to go pick up my niece and go have a fun day. So to me, I think that's my nourishment right now is being around my family or friends or good tribe members that feel like medicine to the soul. Mm, yeah. I love that. Just, just reestablishing connection in whatever ways make sense and, and feel best for everybody. So yeah. I 100% hear that and I'm excited for you to go have a good <laughs> afternoon with some family. So thank you so much for being here today. I so appreciate all the information that you share and 
Um, yeah, everybody definitely check her out on Instagram. You all share some really amazing information. I loved your post this morning with the Magnolia on there. And um, yeah, just such good information. And I know, Ashley, too, that you yourself offer so many different um you know, just, just healing sessions and modalities and everything else. And we could do a whole, we could do probably so many episodes. I know that you also do um, acupuncture for um, like aging. What yeah, is cosmetic acupuncture. Cosmetic. Okay, yeah. that's, I was like blanking on the word. Cosmetic <laughs> acupuncture. There's so many different things that you offer. You could do one on like washon skincare. Yes, yes. And herbs for the skin. <laughs> yeah, as I'm about to go into my 40th year, I am getting... Yep all the scoop on how to care for the skin that I just gave to the sun in my younger years. So um, yeah, I'm noticing all the things now and I'm like, oh yeah, I probably should really start tuning into this. Yeah. Oh yeah. Our days of baby oil and oh yeah. Um. Oh gosh. Oh, I know. Right, man. Well, thank you again for being here and I hope you have a beautiful afternoon and hopefully we'll cross paths again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Sage and Spirit. You can download more episodes and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform, such as Apple or Google Podcasts. For more show notes and guest information, visit dancingsagewellness.com. Until next time, take care and be well.